Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show that is unearthed, that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Goldie Keith film pick of the week, which is Carmilla from 2020 and directed by Emily Harris. But before all that, we're with the man who made the pick, the bold and the beautiful, the Goldie Keith. Hello, 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 everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> what is happening tonight? <laughs> uh, we'll get to it first. Don't start making apologies yet. We got a long video before we get to it. But yes, we hope that you're doing well out there uh, and listening to the show. Uh, as always, we're joined by the psychotic Simeon himself, the Mad Monkey, the adorable rock star of my Mars Day. Mad Monkey, get funky with it. Yes, keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we bring you the best damn horror podcast there is in all of the land. So make sure you listen live, listen often, listen with your mama, listen, listen with your coworkers. We don't really fucking care. Just listen on iTunes, Spotify, all that good shit. Just make sure you fucking listen. What's up, my friend family? Hi, Monkey. Hi, dude. Always out of the gate. Um, so we are still waiting on the Dean. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to give it to the ghoul before we get into horror news because he did just watch the new uh, reboot, new iteration, new sequel, new thing of Wrong Turn. So without giving spoilers, just kind of give us your thoughts because I know I plan on watching it this weekend. So I'm kind of excited to, to get uh, your initial. On uh, this one. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like I said, man, you know, in, in our in our little chat that we have, obviously that that helps us all stay united and, and cohesive with our, our thought processes and whatnot. Uh, I'll probably be doing this as a pick. So really, without getting into much detail, I really just have to say I question a lot of people's dislike for this uh, particular iteration. Um, I know that people have a fondness for the original series. Uh, it's a movie we covered uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, uh, and, and it has. Obviously, it has a lot of positives, has a lot of negatives, and it has a lot of sequels um, of varying degrees of quality. <laughs> so, you know, I know obviously everybody's always uh, up in arms about reboots and shit like that, but... It just seemed like a lot of people really got like upended and offended over this one, as far as yeah. like, how they felt this movie played out. And like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, the original premise was something that was so unique that you know we've never ever seen anything like this before. I mean, realistically, it was the hills have eyes in the woods. I mean, that's all the original mm-hmm. movie was. So. I actually applaud them for what they did in this film because I feel like it was a much uh, – it tried to do something 
which was a nice change of pace. Um, and that's what I'll leave it at because, uh, again, I think everybody should check it out. And like I always say, take your own fucking opinion, you know, whether you hate it, whether you like it. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, that, that that's all on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to from the Ghoul of Geek. Indeed. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that one's on my list to watch this weekend. Uh, wrong Turn and also uh, The Sinner's. Uh, the Courtney Thoreau film that came out. That's actually, it was called The Color Rose. Now it's called The Sinner. I want to watch this weekend as well. I'm trying to get them all in this year. I'm trying to get everyone in early, these 2020 horror films. So those are the two that I have to watch this weekend that I'm promising myself. So adding them to the list and, and getting through with it. But as you heard, the Dean is with us tonight. Welcome back, Demonic Dean, to the show. The Dean is here. Welcome back, here Dean. For another round of Talking Terror. I was so Woo-hoo! sad miss last week's episode, but here I am. I'm back uh, for a new a new week, a new day, a new show. And uh, Carmela. Another exciting okay. adventure in the Talking Terror archives. Unless you guys have something you want to add before we give it over to the Dean for horror news. So I think we can go the... Do you want to go WandaVision? Uh, or you want to wait? There were a lot of things that occurred in the latest episode, but we can wait. We've been doing that. And uh, I say, you know, look, we're all about, uh, you know, keeping a, a tight routine here. That's why everybody's attendance is picture perfect. And, you know, it's just, just how we the, go. Dean, the dean is taking The dean is taking role. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, taking any. The team has been very consistent for quite a long time, man. I got to give him a lot of props on that, man. <laughs> yep. He, he had to take some time off, get off the radar, but he's back and back with horror news. So, Dean, what have you got then, man? So, there are just so many things to talk about in the world of horror. Now, uh, I had asked in our group, uh, since I didn't miss last week's show, like how far back our news went. And honestly, I, it's possible that I talked about this item in two weeks ago. And if I did, uh, just somebody stop me immediately. And we will continue to the next, uh, the next portion of our, of our segment. For the love of God. Uh, but did we, talk about, did we talk about uh, John Island. Carpenter saying that uh, – that Halloween Kills uh, could very well end up being released in the streaming format. Did we talk about that? Yes. Yes, we did. Okay, yeah, thank you. That All right. Okay, yes, yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, excellent. So moving on. Uh, we talked about this in the group, but tomorrow is the day when we're going to get our first footage of Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead coming for Netflix. Uh, they gave us their release date as well. Army of the Dead is going to hit Netflix on May 21st. Uh, there's been a few stills from the set um, uh, of some of the characters. Uh, there was one still that they released with this announcement of the trailer and the release date of one of the zombies in action uh, up until up until now. Any image that I've seen has just been of what looked like the main cast of soldiers. Uh, but May 21st, we're finally getting Army of the Dead. Um, Netflix apparently is super excited about it. If you think back to the very beginning... Uh, they gave Snyder uh, a tidy $90 million to go make a balls-to-the-wall zombie action film, and uh, they're also Jeez. building out a universe. 
they're also building out a universe around it with uh uh with um like like an animated thing and prequel and all kinds of stuff in that world. So I've been looking forward to this one. I'm excited for the trailer tomorrow. Um, I don't know how anybody, any of you feel about it, um, but I'm looking forward I, to Army I, of the Dead. I hope, I hope, I'm hoping for something yeah. fun. Yeah, I saw the teaser trailer today, and it looks pretty fucking fun. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a full trailer tomorrow. Fuck yeah! I mean, listen, you know, Zack Snyder's got a lot on his docket right now. We've got the, you know, the Snyder cut of Justice League. You know, with its four-hour <laughs> friggin' runtime that. You know, we keep getting like little teases here and there of what we're looking forward to with that, and uh, and now we got the the Army of the Dead. It should be a uh, a busy year for the man, and I uh, I for one, you know, knowing that he created the the far superior sequel uh, remake of Dawn of the Dead, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with Army of the Dead. Our pastor, man, you take his number one and shove it. Fuck you, Zack Snyder. I have no interest in Army of the Dead. I only post it on the group page because everybody's interested in it. I'm not. We could suck it. Seriously? I have, no, I, have no I have no intention of watching Army of the Dead, you know, your fucking heist movie with zombies. No, thank you. I will watch the trailer for the show, and that's it. I give up after that. No intention of ever watching Army of the Dead. Oh, man, you you're realize so full of crap. <laughs> no, you realize now that, that you have just completely, like, thrown down the gauntlet that that is going to be one of our picks. There's just there's no way around. <laughs> I'm gonna end up having to fucking watch it for the show anyway. But no, I would rather sit down and watch the entire fucking Star Wars universe with my fucking hands tied on my back than ever watch Army of the Dead. Not one minute. Fucking Zack Challenge Snyder. Challenge accepted. No, thank you. Why do you why do you hate Zack Snyder's show? You all know I don't know why I have to bear to repeat this. 2004, he fucking raped Army of the Dead. And I can never forgive him for that. So, no, I don't care about Justice League, which isn't going to change anything. It's going to be a bunch of added sequences to a movie that already sucked in the first place. I have no interest. <laughs> Army of the Dead. I just, no, it could suck a nut. I don't care. Like, $90 million <laughs> is going to be a piece of fucking shit. It was made for $10 million. $90 million. My cock, man. They're giving $90 million to Zack Snyder to make Army of the Dead. <laughs> this money for a mineral when he was alive. Ninety million. Where were you, Netflix? You were around. No, now we're just going it out to Zack Snyder. Have fun, fun boy. I don't care. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, Netflix really wasn't like rolling rolling in the kind of dough that they have now. When when Romero was really like up and truly pumping out like good, solid ideas and and, and films. But I mean, again, obviously opinions are always subjective. But you know, one of the the hottest like conversations in every single horror group that I am possibly in. And Monkey, I know you're in a lot of them along with me. One of the hottest yeah. debates is always which of those two films is of the higher quality. And I have to say it, it's just real interesting how split it is as far as Dawn of the Dead goes. You know, there, there are those hardliners like you, but, you know, there are just as many people who are on the same side as like me and the Dean here who believe it's a superior film with the, with the remake of it. Yeah, man. I love how the, cool right. the, the line is really split on this movie, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're entitled to it. I, I don't, I don't yell at people that like the Dawn of the Dead Zack Snyder movie. I don't go, well, you're stupid. You should only like this one. It's fine. You can like that one. Me personally, I wish it would fucking burn in hell for all eternity. 
I fucking hate that movie. It shouldn't even be good. Okay, but to 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 do that, to do that and to say that is essentially saying that to the people that do enjoy the film. Well, you can't get busted over my feelings, people. 2004 is Zack Snyder's movie. That's great. But you can't fucking go, wait a minute, you're telling me you don't like it? No, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't. But that's my opinion. I think that 78 is the far superior version. That's you can tell me that part's uh, fine. Well, it's the whole idea that, that, that you know, Zack Snyder did this, and you know, the movie is a is a rape and a, a and a complete bastardization yeah. of the original film. I mean, I listen, man, the original film had fucking clowns and pies, okay, and fucking Hong Kong Seriously. sounds. <laughs> You know, and characters that couldn't have been fucking any thinner than like a fucking Durax condom. I mean, it's some, some real fucking rough shit in that original film. And you know me. I, I stand by my statement. The original, yep, my, my statement, I stand by it. The original Dawn of the Dead is the most overrated horror film in the genre. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, but, okay, but you guys are saying that, but, but it also set a lot of standards there, man. It's like, and you couldn't have had the new one without the original. And it's like, you just can't totally, like, have this unadoring love for the remake, which I, I enjoy too, man. But I, I, I don't also have unadoring love, dude. I don't think it's like the greatest movie, but I also don't think the original Dawn of the Dead is the great, greatest movie. I think that my I enjoy the remake better than the original, but that's just the thing. I've never pedestalized the original. I feel that the original gets super pedestalized. People treat it like it's like this this greatest thing ever made, and like it was such a like I think it's overrated. Um, I'm not saying that Dawn of the Dead is the and remake is the be all and end all. I'm just saying that I enjoy it more than the original, and I like to say it uh, sometimes with a little bit more verve because I like to get under the king's skin with it. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like what Zack Snyder did with the remake was a better realization of what Romero's original concept was. You know, had Romero had the you know the ability to make the film that he really wanted and the to fun. at that time, it would have come out as what we saw in the remake. Probably mm. with less clowns. No, so that's matter. why Day yeah. of the Dead is Romero's masterpiece. <laughs> I think in terms of... Saying that in terms of tone, that Day of the Dead is probably the best because it is the bleakest and more realistic to the, the apocalypse. Um, Dawn of the Dead is just a fun one. I mean, but like uh, 2004's Dawn of the Dead had a fucking zombie baby, fast running zombies, and a big old tank at the end. It was a so video did, so game. Did, That's so all. did Dead Alive, and we consider that like the greatest film ever made. I don't Why? Why do no, we believe that zombie fun. babies can't exist? Uh, I just hated that, just the whole CGI thing and Omar Epps. And, uh, no, this was the wrong movie. Well, Omar Epps is not Epps? in that film. What do you think? Omar Epps is not Omar Epps. He's not in that movie. Yes, he is. It's Mackay Pfeiffer. Sorry. You know what? Oh, Mackay Pfeiffer. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. My life is no Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when they both shave their heads and they, you know, like, I don't know, they're the same movies on the same time. I don't know. I always confuse those fucking two guys all the time. Omar Epps oh. 
And the guy's like, they're actually about problem. a generation I, apart. I would say what Omar Epson's like highest point was probably in like the mid nineties. And Mackay no Fight. No way, man. Uh, as far as as far as films, as far as films, but mm-hmm. as far as films, but uh, Omar Epps was a uh, premier character from start to finish on the very excellent medical show House. Um, so he yeah, transitioned so the, nicely to television from feature film. I'm talking about feature films as far as that, like movies go. You know what I mean? Like I don't remember seeing him in much post 2000. As far as films go, and take I'm sure look. he's been in plenty of things. And I like, and and I like Omar, of, so let's, let's take a look. Yeah, I do too. I'm a fan. I get those two guys confused all the time. I don't know what it is. I just, every time I see, I can never tell them apart. I just always think. I know Mackay Fighter was the most surgeon series. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he, he stayed relevant in movies for, I feel like, a longer period of time. Uh, so yeah. Omar Epps joined the cast of House in 2004. And that he was on all of 174 episodes uh, from 2004 uh, to 2012. And post-2012, he has very few uh, credits, actually. Um, He was on a show. uh, He was on 21 episodes of a show that didn't last called Resurrection. And then he Mm -hmm. was on the TV series version, uh, which was a, a Mark Wahlberg film called Shooter that came from a Stephen Hunter book called Point of Impact. Um, oh, yeah. Wasn't that on the USA that was, Network? It was on USA. Was. Ryan Philippe was the main character. Ryan Felipe was the main yes. character. Um, but that was 2016 to 18. And then after that, just a couple of credits. So uh, not much in the way of work. So you are correct on there. But from, yeah, going back to, uh, you know, the, the very late 90s through – uh, you know, through 2004, a uh, lot of lot of credits, a lot of work in film, and Some a lot of, of a lot of iconic films as well. Hot Juice, mm-hmm. Higher Learning, freaking uh, uh-huh. the program, dude, the program, you know I mean? the program, program, fucking program. phenomenal film. The one, yes, absolutely, and uh, the one, it was an HBO, it was an HBO film. Uh, it was called. I'm looking for the title right now. Where is it? Uh, he played like a first time felon, first time felon. Uh, he played uh, a, 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 a first-time felon, and instead of getting sent to prison, he got sent to, like, a labor camp. He got sent to, like, a labor camp, and Delroy Lindo was, like, the evil, uh, like, drill sergeant. And it was uh, this guy's, uh, his character, uh, like, trying to, like, like rehabilitate himself under, under the odds. And it was an excellent, excellent movie. I love it. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, Edgar Wright. <laughs> Edgar Wright has signed on uh, to direct a re-adaptation of Stephen King's or um, Richard Bachman's The Running Man uh, as another nice. feature film. And what Edgar Wright has, and I didn't uh, see this at first, but what I have seen since, because I know I shared this on our chat recently, uh, apparently uh, Edgar Wright has been saying for quite some time uh, that if he was ever going to do like a reimagining of like a previous film uh, that the running man is his absolute no questions asked dream project. Um, he's been saying this for years, apparently. So uh, Edgar Wright has been hired to direct it. And apparently uh, they're going to be shooting for a, uh, a more faithful um, adaptation uh, to the original novella. I will so, enjoy that. Um, I, 
I we're, do wonder we're, if he's going to try to pull off the actual finale of that story, though, in which uh, yeah, I don't know, if I remember, man. If I remember correctly, he's he's, dry, he's literally crashing world. a plane into the building while giving mm-hmm. him a middle finger. We'll see, man. It's yeah, tough. And, <laughs> it, I don't know, man. Going. In post nine eleven world, that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but we're. I feel like we're we're kind of in the grand scheme of things, like far enough removed where that wouldn't be we're such about, a controversial. We're about voice. to hit the twenty year period this year, bro. It yeah. is not that far removed. Uh, yeah, but like if you think, <laughs> but if you think about it, like they were making, and it, granted, like a like a war uh, film is much different than the the attack on. Uh, 9-11, but, like, less than mm-hmm. 20 years later, they were making, like, super hyper-violent films based on the Vietnam War. Um, granted, not a terrorist attack on our buildings on our soil, but I don't... And 20 years is not far removed in the grand scheme, but it might be far removed enough uh, in a in a dystopian, futuristic story to feature a plane crash into a building, is what I'm saying. Hmm. Possibility. I'm sure they'll change the ending. <laughs> but I'm curious to... Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, if he's calling it his dream project and it's to make a faithful uh, readaptation, we'll see. I just, I feel like, and, and to hear that this is, like, a, like, the, like he has personal uh, skin in the game with this being his dream project versus just a hired gun to direct the story uh, and shooting for a faithful readaptation, I'm curious to see what happens because I feel that, and yes, they remake everything and we've been over that a million times, but I feel like things that were Arnold Schwarzenegger extravaganzas are hard to, are like a hard subject matter to, to, to go for because he was such a larger than life spectacle on screen. Um, and that could just be from the ages, not you King, cause you're, you're the wee young one, but uh, for us who were, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, when these movies were coming out in the theater, um, like I saw uh, the running man in the movie theater. Uh, at a birthday party, it was a movie birthday party for a, a, nice. a kid uh, named Justin Harris, rest in peace, he did pass away at some point, but um, it was a movie birthday party, we saw it in the theater, and like, it, it blew my fucking brain apart, I'd have to look at the exact release year to see exactly how old I was, but it was like, such a, it was such a huge moment to see that in the theater, like, I even remember what fucking shirt I was wearing, um, like, that's how <laughs> impactful that was, seeing it, so like, it's like, and, and, and I say this from a place of someone who has not watched the entire thing, but recently on either like the Stars channels or the Epics channels, they've been showing the uh, remake of Total Recall. And I have not watched the whole thing, but I put it on for about 15 to 20 minutes and I just like, just wasn't feeling it. Like that was such another one that was such a huge like tentpole yeah. extravaganza. Um, so I feel like, yeah, we all get gripey about remakes, but like Arnold things is like, it's, it's not, it wasn't just a movie. It was an Arnold thing. So it was an Arnold movie. And that's really the biggest difference there. You know what I mean? That's the huge difference maker. The fact that it's an Arnold vehicle, total recall, uh, which I did watch. I watched the entire thing and I'll be perfectly honest. I barely remember the remake. Um, but it's a remake in the loosest of sense in that it's more true to the original story than the Arnold movie was. And again, that's similar, oh, okay. to, the running, that's too, similar to the running man, because again, we have a story in which like, Hey, we've got to modify this movie to fit our leading man, which is, you know, a very large leading man in, 
physical sense as well as star power at the time. You know, the the 80s and early 90s was Schwarzenegger's fucking, you know, his his highlight reel, man. Um, so, yeah, anything involving a remake with his any of his projects are always going to be a, a difficult sell. I mean, look, you can't even get a solid Predator sequel at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, but I have right? I, I can't wait for his new movie, uh, Last Night in Soho which is supposed to get a release this year. I, I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan, so the guy could do no wrong in my book. So if he's going to be the one doing it, I, I'm having faith in it that he can do it. You know. And, and well, speaking of Edgar Wright, you know, like me, me, me and the King have been recently, you know, we, uh, there's the Empire podcast, and, uh, you know, to promote, mm-hmm. to, not to promote somebody else, don't listen to them over us, but go ahead and give them a listen, obviously. <laughs> and they did a three-hour <laughs> show, which was literally Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. Show. Just talking movies, and they spend the whole mm-hmm. first half of this just deconstructing films that they love, and then going on to like British cinema in general. Um, and the two of them, it's just so awesome. The dynamic you can tell these guys know each other, you can tell that they enjoy talking to each other, and they love films, they love movies as much as we do, if not more. Yeah, it's it definitely amazing. a worthwhile. <laughs> And especially when Tarantino doesn't like something that Edgar Wright does. And he's like, I can't believe you didn't like that. He's like, overrated. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, you're just not going to get it. That's all it is. (laughs) There wasn't enough feet, Edgar. There wasn't enough footage of the feet in that movie. I just didn't like it. Overrated. (laughs) They fucking like it too much. Because there wasn't enough kung fu, you see, in the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, we even have a cameo. Peter Cushing never showed up. Edgar, are you are you hearing me right now? Overrated, overrated Hollywood nonsense. <laughs> Seriously, my favorite fucking line out of that that whole thing so far was the whole disrespectful at best and twattish at worst. Describe what they were describing at the time is how streaming services decide to cut away from a film while the credits are rolling <laughs> yeah. to like introduce what yep. the next fucking feature is or to suggest something else. It's like, man, you know, the people that fucking put their blood, sweat and tears into this movie to make it, you know, they go through all of this shit and you guys want to fucking cut it off just so you can be like, Hey, do you want to watch this instead? <laughs> <laughs> He just calls it twaddish. It's great. It's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, disrespectful at best and just twaddish at the worst. Like, damn. <laughs> well said. Well, well yeah. said. So, yeah, check that out. Three hours and seven minutes, and uh, it's Tarantino and Edgar just throwing down on movies. But what else do you have, Dean? What's next? <clears throat> Edgar Wright, uh, to my knowledge, was not involved, but uh, from people uh, who have very long, uh, long history in his orbit, uh, very very quietly, uh, and again, I, I said this in our group that I did not uh, get to check it out because I totally forgot about it, but uh, Amazon very quietly has announced that there will not be a second season of the Nick Frost, Simon Pegg series, Truth Seekers. Oh, one yeah. season a- one season is all that, that, that we got. It's all that it needed. It, just, it ran out for me. I finished it, but yeah, it started off pretty strong, but 
it wasn't what I wanted. And that's I think that's the problem I had with it once I finished it. It wasn't what I wanted. I wanted Simon Pegg and Nick Frost to be going around like Sean and Ed looking for ghosts, like typical ghost hunters. And it was very much far from that, you know, and it wasn't a lot of Simon Pegg and not a lot of Nick Frost either. So disappointing. Well, that's just the you thing. Know, to, say, you know, to say that you want those particular characters – uh, you know, they were not Sean and Ed. They were, as I'm looking right now, Richard, uh, no, I'm sorry, Gus and Dave. Uh, so Boston and Porter. maybe if you create a series where, um, you know, Sean and Ed have now become uh, truth seekers and extend, extend that world that they exist in, that might be fun. But uh, I feel that, um, you know, I was excited to hear about the show. I love the pairing of Nick Frost and Simon Pegg and, like I had said, I had completely mm-hmm. forgot about this series 100%, uh, but I did see the blurb that there's not going to be any more in the first season. And since I know that we are all fans of, uh, you know, Frost and Peg, I just felt compelled to share that with you, my fellow hosts. Thank you. Yeah. You should check it out. Let me know what you think. If you ever get a chance to. I, I, I certainly will. Right. Now, uh, while we have, while we wait patiently for the release of the Shudder uh, second season of Creepshow, uh, they have announced already, even though we have yet to see the second season of Creepshow, uh, that Creepshow has already uh, been approved for a third season. So uh, while we all look forward (laughs) to season two, um, season three has already been announced. So, uh, you know, I know that if I remember correctly, we were all fans of the first season yeah. and we're looking forward to more. Um, the second season is on a way is on the way. Unfortunately, uh, one episode, uh, has been trimmed from the season two roster, the episode featuring yeah. uh, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> uh, but regardless of that, we have yet to see season two, to judge the episodes on their merits, which I do look forward to doing with all of you. Uh, but I, I am hoping for the same, if not better for season two. And I'm already like, have a twinkle in my eye in the distance for season three. <laughs> oh, <that's sweet. laughs> yeah, see the distant future. Yeah. Got a twinkle. Yes. <laughs> and in a, in a, in a same way, HBO max, uh, which continues to uh, be involved in the OG content realm, uh, has been sharing with us how we're going to be blessed and learn about the secret of the Mogwai with their Gremlins animated series, which has not yet debuted, but is coming uh, sometime this year. Uh, they, HBO Max this week, announced that they are forging ahead already with a season two of the Gremlins secret of the Mogwai. So uh, okay. without even knowing if people are going to watch season one, uh, they've announced that there will be a season two. So there will be lots of gremlins on the horizon. <laughs> Man, it should have been dropped and it's already gotten cleared for a season two. They must be getting positive feedback on it. It's, it's obviously what they're, what they're hearing on that. Um, plus, yeah, I mean, and, I'm sure it's a big marketing uh, push. You know, they they want to get these yeah, and these properties you know, out I, there. Like I have said, going back to the start, that maybe this is going to be uh, the fuse that gets lit that somehow forges ahead to a 
Return of Gremlins to the big screen. And if I remember correctly, and I, I did my notes, uh, I didn't have my Talking Terror notes notebook with me uh, at my at work uh, this week when I usually have a break where I, you know, when I'm not on a prep period, but I'm on my break um, is when I usually uh, round up some news items for our program here. I think so. I just have lined paper with all my notes. But if I were to go into my notebook, I think from two weeks ago, I had a news item that I did not get to because we were, uh, you know, running over time uh, or using lots of time. There was a Mountain Dew commercial featuring uh, Gizmo and Zach Galligan. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that or heard the of that. Bowl. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, so, the um, so maybe a Super Bowl stunt, but I do. I feel that uh, if the Gremlins, if the Gremlins Secrets of Mogwai is like successful, which I don't even know with the billion different streaming services, uh, unless something truly becomes like a like a like a like a societal thing, uh, how they even judge success. Um, but I do think that all of this chatter hopefully will lead to a a Gremlins a Gremlins return to the big screen. Yeah, well, indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, again, I mean, the play, you know, the streaming services are the way to go. Uh, we're all about to, to get a taste of Peacock, um, and hey, I don't mean that in a dirty way. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> okay, maybe I do. But, you know, I know I've also been, uh, been exploring the CBS All Access, which is about to turn into Paramount+. Plus. Um, you know, I finished up the uh, the new series of The Stand. Um, enjoyable. Uh, they, I still think that there's uh, – it's funny. It's like a happy middle between the two um, as far as which one is superior, you know, from the original series versus this newer series. Uh, there were good things in both. Uh, but I also know that they are also – they also have their hands now on a pet cemetery uh, I guess prequel series is what they're uh, what they're talking about with the uh, Paramount Plus two, so that's uh, you know that, that's something uh, to be coming up soon. But uh, yeah, HBO Max got Mortal Kombat coming, and I know we all uh, we all saw the trailers for that. Did you get to see no. it? The trailer for which Mortal Kombat? No, negative. And you can talk about it. I don't care. Go go right ahead. <laughs> We're gonna. <laughs> because the oh man, this trailer looks so fucking good. <laughs> oh man, Mortal Kombat. Oh, that's that's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, the trailer was seeing the trailer for it. Go ahead, monkey. I've been I've been talking. Yeah, it's just Do like it. <laughs> the trailer. The trailer was just so fucking badass. And it was delivering everything that we've been wanting to see. Like, it, they were capturing the game just right with, you know, the action, the gore, just bringing it up there on screen. I'm just so hoping they go, you know, hard rated R with this shit. And I mm-hmm. just really hope it doesn't get murdered with a really bad storyline. Well, I mean. <laughs> It's yeah. not like Mortal Kombat, you know, again, when you take Mortal True. Kombat down to its basics, the original original game, it didn't have much yeah. of a storyline. It was all no. about those bloody finishers 
It was all about making itself do something that Street Fighter 2, which was a juggernaut in the arcades at the time, wasn't Oh, fuck yeah. Do. So animated sprites. Fucking quarter demolisher. Versus, versus you know, uh, motion capture picture, almost, you know, picture realistic looking people, you know, fighters oh, shooting yeah. fireballs and shit like that. Yeah. You had a couple specials in Mortal Kombat, but come on, the tits in Mortal Kombat was the fact that you fucking, you know, if you, if you paid attention and memorized the right combinations of shit after that guy went, Finish him, you know, you would be able to rip somebody's spine out or, you know, freeze somebody and punch yeah, their body into Freaking pieces, you know, or Kano ripping it. out a heart, you know, like the, 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 <laughs> that was the awesome thing. I t- I literally cut school so that I can go to the AMC theater. Well, it wasn't the AMC; it was the Lowe's Multiplex at the time, and spent an entire day there with a manual that I printed off of a computer at my parents' shop that had every single Mortal Kombat two finisher in it, just so that I could practice every single one of them to commit them to memory, the finishers, the friend, the friendships, the babalities, all of that shit, just so that when I was in the arcade to hang out with people, plopping my quarters down, I could be one of those people that was like, yeah, finish and watch this shit, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, because uh, when Mortal Kombat 3 was scheduled to come out in arcades, I was working at a hotel and the kitchen staff, and they were having... Like, right across from the kitchen, they were having this video game expo thing of, you know, invest in video game machines, you know, put these in your arcades, blah, 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 blah. And it was just all these fucking machines out there. It was like, you know, this uh, – and one of the machines out in there was Mortal Kombat 3 before it was supposed to be released in arcades. And, you know, we kept pe- peeking in there and peeking in there, that, you know – just checking it out and shit like that. And, you know, we wanted to play the machine so fucking bad. And, you know, it was finally up to me to be like, hey, any chance we can come in and play? And they're like, yeah, you can play whatever the fuck you want, actually. We'd love to get input. You know, people are trying to invest in this stuff. They want to see who's playing what games. And I, I shout out to the kitchen staff, free video games, and everyone from the kitchen came running <laughs> into the room it just bombarded the room and everyone was just playing everything that was in the fucking thing and yeah i was just you know me and a friend a friend of mine were just playing mortal kombat 3 nailing that shit down before it came down just so the day it came out we could be kicking ass in the fucking arcade because we already had the fucking moves down for, for the machine it was a fun fucking day man <laughs> Well, see, see, by the time Mortal Kombat 3 came out, this is how this is how short those windows work when you're in these like age groups, you know. By the time Mortal Kombat 3 was released, I had discovered pussy, so I stopped going <laughs> to the arcade to play video games as much. You know, that was more of a uh, like a meeting point for said females. You know, to meet up at the mall, like, hey, where are we meeting? Oh, we're meeting up at the Time Out Arcade. And, you know, from there, we, we wandered off to wherever we were going to go. Maybe, maybe you popped a quarter into something, but it wasn't anything that you were committing any kind of time, like a, like a Mortal Kombat game at that point. Sorry, I just got uh, the see, look from we, the cool girl. Because I, <laughs> I don't know about you, you guys, but uh, where I grew up, we had uh, a couple putt-putt that would stay open super fucking late on the weekends. Like, it, you know, they were open till like three on Fridays and Saturdays. So you, I could be done with my date and then afterwards go out and 
go play Mortal Kombat <laughs> for a couple hours and shit like that, and then head home. <laughs> billiards. Billiards was kind of like that, but we were too busy eating mushrooms and, and LSD and smoking <laughs> shit and doing other fucking shit. <laughs> the devil's lettuce. We're trying to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Crack, crank, ludes, you know, all the fun <laughs> shit. But back, back to the actual trailer of the film. Yes, you know what, man? I mean, it was nice to, like, being that okay. One, I'm a fan of the original Mortal Kombat movie. As much as it eschews from the finishers and the bloody mess that, you know, you expect from a, a Mortal Kombat movie, going into it, I had, you know, the lowest of expectations. And I remember my one buddy's younger brother had gone to see it in theaters. And, you know, afterwards we were like, oh, how bad was it? You know, and he was like, guys, like, I'll be perfectly honest with you. You actually should go see it. It's pretty damn good. So I was like, all right, you know what? We'll go take a look. And we checked it out. And, yeah, that movie really had no business being as entertaining as it was, considering it pretty much just barely used the same characters, interjected its own storyline, whitewashed a bunch of people, including Raiden. I mean, Christopher Lambert as Raiden is one of the funniest (laughs) fucking things I have ever seen. It is hysterical. And I mean, if you ever really want to like hurt your stomach laughing about it, listen to the, uh, the, we hate movies podcast about mortal Kombat. Those guys nailed this. It's, it's it's one of those episodes of a podcast that I listen to every now and again like I'll re-listen to this episode just because it makes me laugh that hard um it is wonderful but like I just after watching this recent trailer I actually went and bought the two-pack of Mortal Kombat Mortal Kombat Annihilation just so like I could throw that first one on when I go to sleep I'll probably never put the second movie on because that movie is just such hot garbage but uh but yes right from the trailer the 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 blood the guts the gore seeing you know seeing something like Sub-Zero punching blood out of somebody and then midair freezing it into an ice dagger and stabbing yeah! the person. Like, <laughs> phenomenal, you know? Like, that's some creative shit. I know that's the kind of stuff they've pulled off in the, uh, the sequels of the games and stuff, but, uh, you know, I haven't played hardcore. Like, the last one I, like, I played through the full story was Eleven. Um, so if he can do that in 11, like literally I played the game to, to watch the whole storyline. I might've went and went through a bunch of the characters finishers, but like, I don't know. I have friends that like play that game like religiously. And like, again, I'm just, I can't do fighting games anymore. It's just not my thing. My, I'm, my, I'm too slow. My reflexes are bad. I'm old. You know, I have a thousand and one excuses, just that I don't feel like playing. It. All right. So King, were you as excited as we were about the trailer, man? I mean, I wasn't, like, super stoked on it. I was looking forward to it um, because I do remember sitting in the original Mortal Kombat in theaters and playing them and everything like that. But it's like I told uh, you guys in the group chat, I just think it's amazing to see how far CGI has come since those original mm-hmm. two movies where we're seeing a decent-looking Goro and really amazing chilling effects by Sub-Zero. And, you know, Kano looks amazing. You know, and Jax looks so badass with his metallic arms. So oh yeah, we're at a place. The effects are perfected; that it just comes off looking stellar. And they could do the close shots of Sub Zero turning ice into a dagger, you know, because you can get that now. You could do that now and make it look cool and badass. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and exactly what the Gould said: no longer whitewashing. 
uh, Mortal Kombat and actually using appropriate actors to play the appropriate roles, I think is fantastic. And I'm all for it. Because I think that's the way the movie should be. I agree, man. <laughs> all right. So we went off on that tangent for quite a bit. So, sorry about that, Dean. Um, oh, please so, don't apologize. <laughs> I love tangents. <laughs> you love tangents? <laughs> tangents. Yeah, he's a pad. He's a pageant queen, don't you know? <laughs> oh. What kind of pageants? All Drag pageants. queen pageants. You one time made me watch oh. that show about tangents that, like, kind of sucked. Tangents? Pa- pageants. <laughs> what show what? about what pageants? You made me watch this show about beauty pageants, and uh, it was on Netflix, and... Uh, oh, the, is it the, oh, oh. the one about the little kids? No, 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 no. We know how much people love that one. That was a different one. It was brilliant, dude. Um, oh, what the hell is the name of it, man? I know which one. I don't know. I stopped watching it. From Hey Jesse. I watched like I watched like five or six episodes. But anyway, if you're looking, if if you love horror, and you love your woman. Or you like your woman, and uh, you want to you want to spend some quality time with your woman, and order something from Bonfire Beat Designs. Well, yes, you should always (laughs) order something from Bonfire Beat Designs if you want to up the possibility for romance. But if all of the boxes have been checked, and you are looking to have some romance with the one you love or the one you like or uh, the one uh, that you are lucky enough to spend time with and you are looking for a weekend getaway at a quaint Insatiable. bed and breakfast in the countryside, you should head to Periopolis, Pennsylvania because in Periopolis, Pennsylvania is where you will find the house in which Buffalo Bill lived in in the Silence of the Lambs. And this house has been purchased by Chris Rune, an art director and prop stylist, and he has turned Buffalo Bill's home into a bed and breakfast. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Playing up all of the themes of The Silence of the Lambs and Buffalo Bill. Uh, if you head over to buffalobillhouse.com, uh, you can see uh, all of the interior rooms and how much effort he has put into kind of as a Silence of the Lambs-themed bed and breakfast. If you and your loved one are into this kind of thing, you can spend overnight, long weekends, time, sleeping, eating breakfast in the very home in which uh, Buffalo Bill showed us his mangina. <laughs> Want to fuck me? I fuck me. <laughs> Man, so, you know that would be. You know that's playing from every room at at night. Is <laughs> that fucking song? <laughs> Everyone's playing that same fucking song <laughs> throughout the night. <laughs> King of horror. This is fun. Uh, please remind me, and and I know I have your address in my Amazon from sending you chia pets all the time. But uh, you're in Lancaster or Allentown. I always confuse those two. I'm in Lancaster. Okay. Yeah. So, 
it is oh wow it's quite the haul uh periopolis pa uh is three and a half hours uh from where you're located three and a half hours to the west it looks like it's a little bit southeast of pittsburgh um so anyway uh you you pennsylvania boys you pennsylvania boys uh, if you're looking for like a long weekend road trip and uh, looking to get a little freaky deaky and Buffalo Bill style, uh, head on over to Periopolis. You know, I seventy six I seventy six West is not the most exciting road I've ever driven on for hours at a time. No, driven it, it is many many hours on that road. And I let me just tell you something, man. I have had some fucking tripped out experiences on that road. Um, that is the road which makes me question whether or not I believe in ghosts uh, because of a long, long, long ass drive. I was making back to New Jersey through Pennsylvania once. Um, I know it's not the most exciting, but uh, you might have an exciting weekend ahead of you in Periopolis in the home of Buffalo Bill. So I'm just throwing that out there for you East coast boys. If you're looking for a special weekend with your ladies. Well, <laughs> or, I mean, or are you say, or are you saying the king and I need to take a road trip and then go take Mangina pictures or, in the Buffalo Bills or, house? <laughs> or you and the king can like certainly, I'm sure, I, uh, go and get a room and hang out and just enjoy the atmosphere. Uh, maybe and, as a buddy experience, it doesn't necessarily have to be doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic, um, you know, a romantic trip. Uh, but if you want, it's probably to go weirder into, than fucking Walmart in that joint. <laughs> if you wanted to go and check it out, um, you know, they're taking reservations coming soon. Man, if I, actually, I think if that's actually a lot of fun, and I think me and the ghoul girl might actually give that a shot. That sounds like something we might even think about doing for our anniversary, uh, which is coming yeah, up dude. in a couple of months. Uh, so there you go. Uh, speaking uh, of Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs, has anybody here been catching uh, the new series, Clarice? No, I haven't I checked it out, but I just I just want to point out uh, that the the current the proprietor and owner of the Buffalo Bill House Bed and Breakfast uh, says, "Book your stay now, or else you'll get the hose again." Oh no, <laughs> that's right on the website. I'm not kidding. I would honestly just like to have a place to bring all the hookers I bring home. I mean, they get so tired of sitting in my apartment all the time. It'd be nice to wine them and so, dine them a little so bit at Buffalo Bill. King of Horror. <laughs> I, I feel I feel compelled to ask. Um, is this a true statement? How many hookers have you been bringing home? Uh, over the past year, past two years, because back in like 2017, 2018, I would say maybe 12, 13. I don't know. And where do you, I mean, if, if if you're not comfortable revealing your sources for threat of legal ramifications, uh, that is understood. That's right. Uh, but where do you procure? Where do you procure your hookers from? Out of curiosity. I mean, are they walking around on the streets of? Are they walking around on the streets of Lancaster? I mean, I know you realize this is your 2021, right? I mean, there's, there's there's plenty of ways to 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 find said, said <laughs> facilities, man. Yeah, there's a lot of sources. There's stuff out there. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, getting, getting I'm sure. Give me a couple uh, of minutes. I, I can give you an answer of where I can find them in the Fairfax region yes. too, cool, if you want. Cool. Cool. When it comes to you, I have no doubt, my friend. Uh, but I, being that you are the one, being that ghoul, you are the one that asked the question, I will be the first to answer by saying that, no, I have not yet had the opportunity to check out Clarice. I, I ha- we have been. Uh, we've watched the first two episodes, and uh, I have to say, uh, we've been enjoying it. Now, I know some people, again, and said horror groups have been, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, eh, it's, you know, it's a basic procedural type show. 
um, that doesn't mm-hmm. you know try to push any boundaries or anything like that. Um, that's all fine and dandy. I can see where if you're somebody that watches a lot of that kind of television, maybe you're not going to enjoy this all that much because it's not much different than anything Mm -hmm. else you're watching. But we don't watch those kind of series on a regular. So for us, we're actually finding it to be quite enjoyable. And, you know, the, the, the young lady they have playing Clarice is cute as a button. And we really enjoy just just looking at her and watching her perform. And, yeah, uh, we are liking what they are kind of going with as far as the series goes. Uh, so we're looking forward to seeing what they do continue with it. Uh, I would give it a recommend to check out, you know, if you're a fan of the uh, of the series and whatnot. The ghoul says, cute as a button, must watch. Indeed, of course. Cute as a button, must watch. Yeah, I'm hoping to get an opportunity to check it out. Yeah, definitely. Should. I, it's not, I've just been watching so many movies lately. I haven't had time for a year or two. Yeah. Except for Riverdale. So, I'm mm, up to date on mm. the We know. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 lacking, I'm slacking on Riverdale, man. We've got Walking Dead about to restart again. Oh, I can't wait. I can't oh. wait. I need something to watch. And I have like a, I I have like actually a list watch, like a mile watch long. the first episode on uh, AMC Plus <laughs> at the moment, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we all know on this program how much of a fan. Uh, hopefully, I don't know if his fandom remains to the same high level, but we know how much of a fan our King of Horror Andy G is of the one and only uh, Joe Bob Briggs yep. has announced uh, that this year, and he had previously done it in Los Angeles, but in this year, uh, he is going to be bringing one of his Drive-in jamborees. Uh, yeah, 2021. He's going to be bringing one of his live drive-in jamborees uh, to the Mahoning Drive-In in Layton, Pennsylvania. Uh, wow, dude. Of, yeah, the weekend of July 16th, uh, July 16th through July 18th, uh, Joe Bob Briggs is hosting what he's calling the Drive-In Woodstock. Uh, it's going to feature a haunted drive-in it's going to feature an indie film festival for guerrilla filmmakers. There's going to be bands, uh, cosplay contests, like custom cars, and all of the things you would expect from a Joe Bob Briggs extravaganza. Uh, so tickets are going to be on sale for this event in April. Uh, but if you're around Layton, Pennsylvania, and boys in PA, I don't know how close you are to Layton, but if this sounds like your deal and it's going to be safe and isolated in your own vehicle, uh, there might be something to look forward to getting out and doing in July. Uh, through the Joe Bob Briggs Drive-In Jamboree. Well, what hmm. I'm going to say right off the rip is if you're going to do it, make sure you are signing up from day one. Um, the Mahoning Drive-In, we've, this is the drive-in theater that we've spoken about multiple times on the show. Um, it's one that me and the cool yeah. girl have been to many a time. It is a fucking awesome, awesome, awesome venue. But with COVID, the pandemic, and the rise or the re-rise of drive-in theaters, it had a record-breaking surge of popularity last year. Obviously, you know, to to bring something like Joe Bob Briggs in as well kind of shows that. So it will probably sell out really quick. So if you're going to do it, 
Make sure you're ready to go day one. Otherwise, you're probably not going to go because space is going to be limited. But I will say it is a phenomenal experience to go to the Mahoning Drive-In. They are that theater that, you know, all they do is play, you know, old-style films. Uh, You're not going to catch any new movies there. You're going to watch, you know, classic-style horror films or whatever other themed weekend they are doing at the time. And you're going to love it and enjoy it because that is how it goes. It is awesome. You can camp out there for, you know, a few dollars more, spend the night, enjoy yourself, party responsibly. And, uh, yeah, I, I can never endorse that place enough, man. I fucking love it. There cool, you have man. it. There you have it. There you have it from the ghoul himself. All right. So uh, maybe some of Shoot you might a get button. a chance to check it out. I, I recommend. <laughs> the, we have talked about on this show, we've talked about the train to Busan and how uh, we're anxiously awaiting the opportunity to see the sequel. Uh, but we have also talked about how uh, there were some irons in the fire about a possible American remake and some more details have come to light about the remake of Train to Busan. It's going to be produced, of course, I feel like, by none other than James Wan, uh, who always seems to have his hands in these kinds of projects. But a piece of news that I'm very, very, very excited about um, is that they announced uh, that uh, Timo Janto is going to be directing, and he is the director of two of the most fucking badass fucking action movies that I have seen. On Netflix, you can see Headshot and you can see The Night Comes for Us. Ghoul, if you remember, like a year or so ago, I was like, dude, watch these fucking act, these balls-to-the-wall fucking gory, violent action mm-hmm. movies, and you were like, holy shit. Uh, that director is going to be directing the Train to Busan American remake, and I don't know about you, Monkey and King, if you've seen those, but holy fucking shit, are there some fucking insane-ass, crazy motherfucking action movies on Netflix right now? Okay, so you said the one is called Headshot, and then what was the other one? Headshot, and the other one is called The Night Comes for Us. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I will awesome, have to look awesome those up, stuff. man. Thank you. Yeah, they star... Um, what's, I, I'm looking for his name. Uh, Iko Weiss. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, The Raid and The Raid 2. Yeah, I yeah. Have. it was a great movie. Yeah, if you've seen the Raid yeah, movie, uh, that is dude is the, that. Yeah, the Raid Redemption. No. Uh, that dude is the uh, like the main dude in those films. He's in uh, he's in both of these films. Uh, so it's like that level of action to like the to like the second power. Um, both of them, they're fucking nuts. Um, I remember there's one character called White Boy Bobby, and I was like, cool, you got to watch this shit. Got White Boy Bobby. And then, like, <laughs> he was texting me like 45 minutes later. I was like, holy shit, White Boy Bobby. So, yeah, like those movies made me excited. Like I don't really get excited for films. Like you got to see them to understand what I'm talking about. So I highly suggest checking them out for some bloody, blood-flowing, uh, gory action that is like fucking from start to finish, wire to wire. I couldn't recommend them more. They're both on Netflix. But anyway, yeah, the director of those films will be directing (laughs) The Night Comes For Us. Um, I mean, directing the Train to Busan remake, which, like, at first I'm like, "Uh, another remake? Like, the the original was just fine. But, like, if this director brings the same kind of sensibilities, uh, like, I'm, I'm anticipating, like, a rockin' good time. 
And when you, if you uh, monkey and ghoul get a chance to watch those, you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, you know, pretty quickly. Well, I saw them. <laughs> you mean king and ghoul? Uh, king and <laughs> Sorry, monkey and and, and king. I apologize. He, he's just wine. excited. California, man. Cool. <laughs> California wine. Charlie's like he's thrilled, uh, man. <laughs> uh, so now a uh, couple other things to get to very quickly. Uh, back from 1966 to 1968, and then again uh, in 1982, uh, there was a very renowned Spanish horror anthology series uh, that was called Historias para no dormir, uh, which translates to stories to stay awake. Something no um, This was classic classic Spanish horror anthology series um, that Amazon Prime is uh, bringing back to life in the form of a four-part uh, miniseries for Amazon Prime. Uh, it's cur- There's no release date, but this is currently filming in Madrid, and uh, there's going to be superstars of Spanish film, uh, both in front of and behind the camera. I am not familiar uh, with this original series, but it has uh, made me want to kind of do some investigating and reading about it and possibly checking it out. Uh, but that will be coming to Prime. So that sounds like a pretty cool project. And in similar anthology news, uh, Shudder, which, you know, has become, you know, like the, the place to be, uh, has announced a new anthology series that will be showcasing uh, African-American creators. Uh, their anthology series is currently untitled. Uh, but they're going to be featuring established and emerging talents in African-American film uh, for genre exploration uh, in Shudder, uh, this on the heels of their very uh, successful uh, horror uh, noir doc uh, that features, uh, you know, the history of African-American film and horror, uh, which is currently streaming on Shudder. And then finally, for the action figure nerds, um, apparently uh, Neko. Uh, has announced to celebrate the 90th anniversary of Frankenstein, which 2021 is the 90th anniversary of Frankenstein. Uh, They've announced a seven-inch scale action figure of a black and white Frankenstein uh, that they're going to release uh, sometime in either June or July. So if you are into the the Neko situation and all of their figures uh, and you want the anniversary Frankenstein, keep your eyes peeled uh, for June and July. What the D means is NECA. Not Neko, not the candies. He does, the dean is just a little confused right now. <laughs> but, but but thank you, dean. <laughs> what am I confused about? Uh, you, you were calling it Neko, which is actually a candy. What you're talking about is NECA. <laughs> oh, my! I apologize <laughs> for anyone that I'm cool. offended with my mispronunciation. Well, I know the one thing you had brought up was, you know, regarding Shudder, and if I can just interject and kind of like stem off of that a little bit, another series that I did finally start checking out on CBS All uh, All Access um, was the new Twilight Zone, and I do have to say, without it being cute as a button, it is living (laughs) up to and exceeding a lot of expectations. Um, Really? uh, Specifically... I want to applaud them for the the heavy use of culture involved with all of these stories. Um, you know, it, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, we know Jordan Peele 
has his feelings on how cinema is handled and, you know, what his feelings are as far as you know, ever casting specific types of people and whatnot. I, I really have to say fascinating watching them tell the types of stories they're telling, which some of them are, you know, they're either retellings or slightly altered versions of older stories, but using different cultures and different ethnicities of people to tell these stories is making for a very, very interesting way to watch the twilight zone. Um, I highly recommend it. I really do. I've really been really loving the shit out of it. I have to say, I'm surprised, surprised me being as much as I love the original series, how much I'm really liking the new series. I wasn't expecting. Cool, man. Yeah. Just because from the only things I'd heard is, you know, stories were okay, but Peel was just a bit dry as a host and a lot, From what I heard, people people were not happy with him as the host role for for the show. Yeah, him as the narrator. I mean, listen, nobody's ever going to be Rod Serling, you know. I mean, that's just a given. Um, He is dry, you know. He 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 seems uncomfortable playing the narrator, and I don't even mean that as in like uncomfortable in a good way. He just kind of comes off in like this dry smarmy type of way where you know i don't know serling had like a a creepy vibe about him as if like he was ethereal himself like he stepped out of the twilight zone and is telling us these stories as such you know whereas jordan peele just kind of feels like hey here's the host (laughs) i think a piece of the puzzle there there's a piece of the puzzle there to me anyway, and I haven't even cons- really considered this until I heard your comment right there, Ghoul, which I think is a very good comment. But I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, as one who has watched The Twilight Zone from a very young age and still mm-hmm. continues to watch it um, in my classes uh, at work, I do, because it's in all of the literature textbooks, I do with my classes uh, the monsters would do on Maple Street and the Hitchhiker, and we read the plays, and then we then we the Hitchhiker. We also listen to the original radio play, but then we also watch the Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, Rod Serling, I, and to me, like the only place that I know of him is the Twilight Zone. It's not like I have seen him elsewhere, and I'm like, oh, it's the guy from that, like. I know Jordan, and I have not seen the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone, but I've seen Jordan Peele in other things. I know of Jordan Peele. Uh, there's a, there was a modern redoing of the Twilight Zone series that Forrest Whitaker hosted uh, back in the 90s, where they did like a retelling yeah. of the Monsters of Do on Maple Street that starred uh, Kevin McCarthy, or Andrew McCarthy, one of the McCarthys. One of them is an older person, and one of them is the dude from Madigan. I always forget who's who. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> It, it takes away when you're like, oh, I've seen Forrest Whitaker in a thousand movies, or I know Jordan Peele from, from uh, the Key and Peele sketches, or uh, as like this director with his hands in all the modern horror. Like Rod, Rod Serling from that time was like the entity from the Twilight Zone, period. He wasn't like a figure that we knew from other things, and I think maybe that adds to that kind of mystique that he had. Yes. But, like, here's the thing. Alfred Hitchcock, you know, directed a lot of films, and yet he still presented a persona that felt like he stepped out of those very films. You know, it felt like he lived 
in the worlds that you presented, and Rod Serling kind of did the same thing. Uh, I don't. I never watched Key and Peele, so for me, like the only way I know Jordan Peele is I know him as a director of you know Us and of uh, you know Get Out and, and stuff like that. Um, I know he did other things. Obviously, I know about Key and Peele, but besides that, I don't know anything of his personality. I've really never seen him on you know in front of the camera other than his you know, small roles that he's had in the films. Uh, so I guess, I don't, like, again, like I said, it's just, it's weird because he just doesn't, he doesn't present right, in my opinion. And it's just, like the monkey said, yeah, I guess people say it's just that he's, he's kind of stiff or whatever it is, and maybe that's it. But I just don't think that's where he belongs as far as, like, being on the show. Um, I do wish that, you know, maybe they did try to, to either find somebody who is just strange or a different performer who, you know, might fit, you know, that, that role better. But I mean, that's, listen, if Jordan Peele is the one producing it and he's the one bringing it, you know, ultimately I don't care that much about the narrator because all he's doing is kind of just giving us our into the, whatever the episodes are. So as long as the episode quality says as good as it is, I'm, I'm happy with that. I will, you know, obviously I have no problem watching it. Oh cool, man. Thank you. Uh, of course. The items that I had on, on my list uh, for this evening's portion of what is happening in the world of horror that we share with you all out there, our loyal yeah. listeners uh, of the talking terror radio program. And uh, now we will get to hear (laughs) from our very own ghoul uh, who is going to present to us the film uh, that he has chosen uh, to to bless our screens with uh, for this week's episode. Karate Kid 2? Oh, not that chosen. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good chosen. I will fight for you. Oh uh, yeah, man. I, I mean, normally it's uh, you know normally the king handles that segue, but I mean, I guess that's uh, that that that, that will be so the nice segue for king. this evening. If you feel like I walked on your territory, King, I must apologize, but it just it just felt I just felt compelled in that moment, and I don't know why. <laughs> the power of Christ yeah. compels you. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, the power of Christ definitely does not compel me, but. Um, I apologize, King, if I step on your toes. <laughs> uh, wow! I, I, look at look at all the fun. Look how look how funny I am. Uh, so, so King, I was trying to apologize to you, and they're all just laughing at me. <laughs> we were just laughing about Christ. <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> we have a movie this week. <laughs> You're not riding on Santa's play, Kyle. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Carmilla, um, like I said at the, the top of the show, uh, I, I do apologize. You know, like sometimes I make picks, I, I make them quick because, you know, like the fool that I am, I don't prepare prior to an episode and I'm like, Oh, okay. I have a list of like maybe three or four movies that I, that I'm going to go through prior to the show. This way I know what movie I'm going to pick. Well, this is what happened last week. I had three or four movies to pick from. Didn't take the time to do the research on any of said films to see as far as like, you know, whether or not they'd be good talking points or, or good quality films in any way. And, uh, you know, it came up to the time where you guys were like, Hey, what are we watching next week? And I'm like, Oh, whoops. 
Um, I was hoping for, you know, from, from, I did see the trailer for this ahead of time and I was hoping for something hot and steamy and sexy and, you know, from, from the little bit that I did read on it, it was, you know, based off of a 18 something novella that, that explored all kinds of, you know, lesbian innuendo and all this other stuff. And, uh, but then, then we have this movie, which is, you know, I don't know about a girl and uh, she lives with a governess and her dad and another girl shows up and the governess doesn't like this other girl and they, they swap blood and, and they do other stuff. And that's pretty much it. Um, it was highly exciting. Uh, I have to say so. So yeah, that, that, that is it. And again, I, I'm sorry guys. I really am. I, my original pick, honestly, I wanted to do antebellum, uh, and the reason I wanted to do that was, you know, in honor of actual Black History Month. But I wasn't sure where we could find that. And, of course, now I see that it was on Hulu. So we would have been able to watch it through Hulu. But instead, we've got Carmella. So there you have it. So so, so whoever wants to go first, what did you guys think about Carmella? <laughs> Dean, what did you think of the movie? So I feel that maybe, just maybe... Um, the the ghoul here is kind of jumping ahead with uh, his apologies. I found this film, uh, you know, obviously to uh, maybe not to all of you, but to be a like like a very slow burn. Um, but I just I mm-hmm. felt that the concept was interesting, but I do also appreciate uh, period pieces. Uh, you know, within the realm of our genre. For some reason, there is something about uh, these period pieces uh, that um, of this, you know, of the Victorian age and so on, uh, where, you know, with the big with the big dresses and the corsets and the creepy like castle type houses with the creaky floors and the cold, damp atmosphere and the candles that, uh, you know, kind of pulls me in to those kinds of stories, you know, you know, traditionally as a viewer, um, you know, I found this one to be, to be slow moving. Um, you know, at first the story kind of, you know, kind of pulled me in and then there was like a lull for a while, um, as I was watching it and analyzing it and so on. Um, but then really I feel that as the story played out and we got into the final act, um, you know, I guess maybe the directions didn't go in what my anticipations or my expectations were and just found myself at the end. While I certainly kind of enjoyed the atmosphere, you know, in a way, just kind of ultimately being let down by the story. So I don't feel to me that I need to be apologized to for, for watching it. Um, you know, I'm glad that I saw it, but it was not my favorite film by any stretch. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. I literally have in my notes here. Um, I, I bet Gould picked this movie because he was expecting this movie to be a homoerotic lesbian vampire movie full of lots of lesbian sex. <laughs> That's what I have in my notes after watching the movie. Yes, which is what it was supposed to be. Me and the Gould girl, we're going to have a lot of sex in this movie. I remember you saying that last week. You'd be like, I don't know how many times it's going to take me to get through this, guys. Because <laughs> you know what this movie's going to be about. <laughs> and, and after I finished watching the movie, I was like, yeah, how'd that work out for you, ghoul? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, like like the dean, I always get really excited about period pieces as well, especially in horror, just because I don't think there's enough of them. Um, in my opinion, there's too many horror movies out there that are filmed in the summer of whenever, you know, and it's the summer slasher of whenever. There's not enough period pieces to me. That's why that's why I enjoyed the movie Crimson Peak so much. It was that was a great great period piece. You know, like, like the dean said, you know, beautiful costumes, beautiful sets. You know, um, that this movie just unfortunately was just not that. I I think instead of all the filler that they kept trying to put in here with bugs and shit trying to creep you out, they should have been giving us more of what the ghoul wanted. I really think there should have been more story between them two instead of the all of the filler we got with picture, you know, shots of flowers, shots of bugs, shots of lots of fucking bugs. All right. <clears throat> but despite anything else, I just want to sit here and give a shout out to all right, <clears throat> excuse me, to Catherine Thomas, okay, I mean not Catherine Thomas, uh, Anna Wright, okay, because she was the fucking fully recordist for this fucking movie, and she made sure every sound was fucking loud as fucking shit in this movie. Didn't matter if it was fucking bugs, didn't matter if it was a fucking leaf, didn't matter if it was fucking shit. floorboards, it. You know, all all the fucking door latches, everything and every fucking sound effect in this movie was loud as a motherfucker. I was the entire time I was watching this movie, I was like, man, this has got to be her first serious gig because she's like, I'm going around recording every fucking thing. I'm going to make sure it's fucking heard. (laughs) And it's just. It, that's just one of the things that got to me was just how loud all of the fucking sounds were in the movie as opposed to the rest of the movie. Like, it, it like, because I was fine with the slow burn of the movie. It was just um, those sound effects of just everything just being so loud that kind of got to me. I think that was like the one major, major flaw of this movie. Uh, so, King, what did you think of this movie, Bubba? Well, um, you know, if, if the ghoul wants my list of erotic lesbian vampire films that are much more sexy and much more about the sex, I could definitely give you a whole list because I can go through all my 70s movies, including the Hammer uh, Karnstein trilogy, um, the Vampire Lovers, uh, Twins of Evil, Lust for a Vampire, Owl Cardiac from 1977, Blood and Roses from 1971. 1971, dude, Vampiros Lesbos. Vampiros Lesbos yeah, by Jesus Franco. Um, the Blood Spattered Bride, uh, Vicente Armada from 1972. Vampires from 74, the Jose Ramon Laris movie, about two lesbian lovers that are actually vampires that stalk and kill people at their dilapidated estate. So there are so many Carmilla adaptations out there that are not mm-hmm. this. Uh, Emily, Emily Harris took the story of Carmilla from 1871, the Sheridan Lapanu story, which everybody has adapted uh, over the decades. And she managed to remove the central piece that this is not just a coming-of-age, burgeoning desire story. It's also a lesbian vampire story. Now, Sheridan LaPanu didn't mention homosexuality once in the book. Again, it's 1871. But there, Carmela is very much a central. Yes, Carmela is a very sensual, seductive vampire. 
And that's actually what Bram Stoker took when he wrote Dracula in 1897, was he saw he read Carmilla and said, I want to do this. Yeah, mm. I want to do this, but I want to do it with a man instead of a woman. But Carmilla was his base. That's what he decided to base it on, because Carmilla, at 85 pages, is a fantastic story uh, to, to read. But Emily Harris, with her movie, she took Carmilla and based it more in the reality of 1800s civilized world, where you have Lara, who is a very much – a secluded girl away from everybody with her governess, Miss Fontaine, and just very lonely and very kept up in a room. And plus she's left-handed, which is might as well be a death sentence back in that age because you were considered a devil to have a left hand. So yeah. you always either chop it off or tie it up or learn to use your right hand because if you have a left hand, that's a devil's hand. The right hand is the hand of God. So I Yo, thought that was just, a, I want to pause you, King, real quick. That is absolutely the truth. Uh, my mm-hmm. my my wife, who went to Catholic school all the way through high school, uh, is a lefty, and she still has uh, the letter from her family doctor. Uh, but at her Catholic school, uh, they were trying to force her out of writing with the left hand uh, because wow. of her beliefs, and they had to provide a note from the doctor imploring them to let the kid write with her left hand. My wife still has the letter. She has in the frame the letter from the doctor. That's insane. That's utterly insane yeah. to think in the modern day yeah. that something like that would uh-huh. still occur. This yeah, is man. like, it's you know, we're not talking about 40 years ago. This is like 20 years ago. This is no. like 30 years ago. No. Okay, 30. Well, there yeah. you go. Sorry. That was making us younger than we are. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> good luck. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that that like that was legit. Like she had to, like she was a lefty, and they were like, oh no, 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 we have to, we have to get this evil out. <laughs> they had to straight up go to a fucking doctor and get a doctor to write a note and say, cut the shit. <laughs> well, I, I know a lot of the the young ladies that were strung up during the uh, the witch trials and whatnot. Left handedness was a uh, was one of the common common threads. But I do want to say thank. Oh, you, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, because again, it's the sign of the devil. It's the devil's hand. Uh, thank you, King, for for mentioning that one thing in particular. That, unfortunately for for us, Emily Harris, the director of this film, is the one who completely, one hundred percent, decided, "Hey, I'm going to take a supernatural story." and remove all of the supernatural elements. Now, had I, and this is, she, this is quoted from her as, as basically saying she was doing this. Had I seen that prior, had I done a little bit of research prior to picking this movie, I probably would not have picked it. Because again, there are other adaptations of this film that are, are you know, superior to this version. Particularly because this movie makes you scratch your head by the fucking end of it. You really don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> and and to her credit I will give her credit while I didn't like this movie because I was expecting Carmilla that's what I was expecting I was expecting Carmilla Karnstein in this movie and instead I got a very more realistic portrayal of what life was like in the 1800s especially when there is a blood disease going around that's afflicting people and this person isn't afflicted but this person is they must be the devil and you brought the devil into our house so I found that kind of interesting. 
uh, once the girl is in the house, you know, with, with Laura and with Miss Fontaine and Mr. Bauer of the house has to go out and find where her parents are because we have to do our duty and go out and find her. It's the, the fact that Emily Harris puts it right out there that this woman that is named Carmela by Laura is not a vampire by any means. She can go out during the day. She has a reflection. She can eat food, but she also kind of is playful with it in a way, too, where it's like, well, she's not very hungry for the food, and she does have a predilection towards blood, but it's not necessarily vampiric in any way. So she does play it in a way where she could be a vampire, but at the same time plays it off by having her go out in the daylight and, and not appear as sickly and gassed as she should because she doesn't have blood. Well, what I also took that as being is is maybe she's not a vampire in the sense of the Bram Stoker variety. Um, she mm-hmm. does not have to suck your blood, but maybe it's an energy <laughs> thing, um, you know, which would explain why Laura, you know, starts to to, to send the way she does. Um, you know, or could it be some kind of bloodborne illness? We don't really know. Again, unfortunately, the the movie leaves you with so many questions by the time all is said and done that uh, you know, there's there's a lot that's unexplained. You know, pretty much right from the start, once we get the introduction of of this character into the world, um, you know, like everything prior to that is just all your typical like we're building the building the idea of what Laura's life is like. And, you know, this is a, a girl who lives at home. Her mom's dead. You know, she's stuck with this governess who obviously cares for her, but is strict and, you know, a, uh, a highly religious person, but who I also feel like had her own uh, experience with feelings yeah. towards women and, you know, kind of looked at it as the, the sin that it was considered at the time. And, uh, you know, knew that she had to turn away from it. It was just entertainment. She was excited at the time. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, man. Uh, but the, the one thing I do want to commend as far as uh, just the, the, the film, my favorite thing about this is the casting of Carmilla herself. Man, is she hot. She's hot in the way that, you know, like what's her name was in uh Romeo and Juliet. You know, she's just Claire Danes. They, they, like the Yes. No, no, not Claire Danes. Ooh. God no. Olivia um, Hussey. Olivia Hussey, yes. You know. You're right, welcome. Like, yeah. it, it, it was like I was talking to, to the ghoul girl with it and I'm like, you know, as as a casting you know, director is you're picking and looking through all these different women and you got them coming in, you got them presenting these different things. And basically, you know, what I'm sure you're looking for is the one girl who looks at everyone and everything. Like she just wants to fuck the shit out of it and eat it at the same time. And this girl sells (laughs) that every time she's looking at Lara or anybody in this film, it's like, she's screaming sex. It's like, like, just yelling off of her body, like, take me, take me, I'm going to take you, fuck this, get your clothes off, you're mine. Um, like, that's the vibe I got <laughs> off of her. I just wish everything else played off, because she was a great cast. Well, I mean, you shouldn't completely disregard Hannah Ray either as Laura, because on your, on you love the Carmilla character, I loved Hannah Ray as Laura, because that was the, the sweet kind of doe-eyed girl 
that's been denied everything by this governess and is finally getting her sexual awakening in terms of Camilla, I loved her because it was a tragic mm-hmm. character I could kind of get behind. The fact that she's being denied mm-hmm. seeing her friend because her friend's sick. So when this girl shows up, she's like, fucking finally, I have somebody I just mm-hmm. talked to since this old woman that isn't Margaret or Paul. It's a young girl, and I could just do whatever I want with and just kind of just chill out with. It's finally happening. It's finally here. Even though they're like, whoa, 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 take it easy, Laura. It's like, well, no, I'm not going to take it easy. Like, this is what I've been waiting for, some companionship. And the fact that Carmilla seductively, like the girl said, does what she does and awakens something within Laura, I thought Hannah Ray brilliantly kind of showed, where it's not like immediately I'm jumping on top of this girl and hanging out with her. It's a build-up to that seduction of the bedroom where she has the dream of tearing open mm-hmm. the driver's stomach and then having her being sawn mm-hmm. in half, Carmilla, until they go into a kiss that nearly takes mm-hmm. her breath away. I mean, that mm-hmm. was the buildup and the punch mm-hmm. she needed to mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. Yeah, my but, load I, away. <laughs> but also she's coming in and she's bringing in these other things that are taking away from everything that is being taught to her about, you know, you don't do this because you're a lady. So first thing they do, they go sit in a fucking tree because ladies do not sit in trees. Then they go hang right. out, and then, they, and then they play the choking game on her and makes her hyperventilate, makes her p- pass out mm-hmm. from pushing on her well, chest and shit like that. That's sexual right it, there, man. I mean, come on. That's, that's, just, that's it is. fucking – that's child's play here at the ghoul's house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, though, she's coming in and now disestablishing all of the things that are – there's nothing wrong with that. You know, just go out. Let's go out and play and just be silly. You know, no rules, no nothing. And that's what children need. But, you know, again, she's been forced to live this lady's life. I would see, and again, I, I I don't want to fault or say like I didn't enjoy Lara's character or the performance by the actress. I actually did. Um, I would have liked for it to have been more of a uh, of a feeling of corruption via Carmilla. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, besides besides it being just you know more sexually enticing, um, I feel like the. Laura character from the very beginning seemed like somebody that kind of skewed the rules anyway. Um, yeah, you know she was already in rebellion uh, as it yeah. was. You know she, and I would have preferred yeah. for it to have been more of a case in which this character did always follow the rules, was always doing the proper things, and therefore when this girl comes in. She, like you said, awakened something. See, I felt like it was already awakened prior. She was waiting for Charlotte to come to flick that bean. <laughs> but instead, you know, when Charlotte got, got ill and that wasn't happening, we got, uh, we got Carmilla instead. You know, that's delivered from, from yeah. the heavens or hell or wherever she may have come from. <clears throat> wherever she, like, yeah, that's the whole thing about the ambiguity, too, where she came from. But, yeah, it, it wasn't... Uh... Uh, like, if you want corruption, like I said, watch watch the Vampire Lovers or Lesbos Vampiros uh, to get corruption. This is more of an unlocking. You know, this like you had said, she does have a scene, uh, Lara, where she is kind of toying with pleasuring herself before the governess comes in and, and disrupts her. Kind of. But it's, it's full on diddling, man. 
No, she's not. Because when she turns around, she's like, it was like you know, just not it, even. It was never really like clear if she had gone for it or not. It was definitely trending in that direction for certain. You saw the dress go down though, as and her hand pulling no, out of it no, as no. the governess was coming in. Believe me, we rewound the scene a couple of times. <laughs> I'm sure we did. <laughs> but either way, it wasn't you know it wasn't like she was laying on the floor naked, you know, and fully going to town on herself. I mean, it was just it was very light touching, I'm sure, you know, until she got interrupted. But it, she needed Carmilla to unlock that side of herself, uh, especially when they go to the lake at night and Carmilla strips naked and goes skinny dipping and then comes out and, you know, instead of doing it herself, she just wants to show the rose petals where she gets her perfume from. And that's where you get the thorn cutting into Carmilla because she doesn't want her to take the rose petals. And that's where we get, let's be blood sisters. But, you know, the ghoul's happy because they're sexy blood sisters because this isn't just like a, Hey, slap our hand together. We're blood sisters. This is, I'm going to put my fingers in your mouth and then kiss you blood sisters. I was like, well, you know what? He's probably not having a bad time. You know, watching <laughs> blood kiss, which leads to blood disease. Not vampirism. I mean, this isn't like she's digging her fangs in. This is their more realistic take on it. I mean, obviously, you know, doctors and science weren't as advanced in 1800 as they are now. So if you get sick, well, that's why she got sick. <laughs> she's tasting somebody's blood that's probably infected with something. You know, that's what's making her sick. But it, the way that it was handled, I thought was really well done. Well, it's interesting in the, pandem- in the pandemic that we're currently living in, you know, obviously, you know, Carmilla is the person that is asymptomatic. She's not showing anything of being sick. So if she is the carrier of said blood disease, it's never really shown or told to us. Um, we don't know. You know, like I said, unfortunately, it's one of those things that even if it would have been like, okay, it was left ambiguous, and I'm fine with that. You know, ambiguity, it can be fun when used properly. But at the same time, even if they gave us just a little bit of a hint of the, like, the larger world that something like this might have been going on, even if it was the father when he came home, you know, at the end of the film, yeah. to, to what he sees, even if there was like a mention at that point of like, what are you guys doing? I just got back from the city. This is what's going on right now. Like that at least would have been, in my opinion, just something smarter than what she left us with. Um, you know, um, the blood sisters uh, thing. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Monkey? Just, yeah, I got a whole yeah, story. Well, so. uh, yeah, no, it's all right, man. It's just, I thought it was kind of obvious at the end what happened. It's just, uh, the, like, you know, if you want to wait till we get to the end of the movie to cover it, but it's just, I thought they pretty much explained what had happened in the movie. It's like, I don't understand this whole thing of not getting it, where I, I maybe I just mistook it as something else. I just, I took it as once the blood pact had been sealed on both ends and the movie finishes, we, we have a body jump. It's a different kind of vampirism where it's once blood is exchanged and they fall asleep and stuff, she ends up, they end up body swapping. And it's overthinking. It's actually, and no, and it's actually <laughs> Carmilla who dies because at the end, when you see the reflection, you see that the reflection is actually Carmilla. So I took yeah, it as it was a it, so I took it as a body swap. Carmilla and that's did die. Carmilla, 
And yeah. that's how Carmela isn't afraid of death is because she's able to keep living by body swapping over and over and over again. So you're saying that down the you're thinking Carmela was in Lara's body at the end of the film. Yeah. And it was and it was actually Laura who died in Camilla's body. Hmm. Interesting concept, monkey. Yeah, I mean it's fun yeah. to think about. I just think it's more straightforward than that. I don't know. I just think it's more straightforward than that. I do too, and I could see where the whole, you know, saying it was just a blood disease comes off. Unfortunately, again though, the story that it comes from is one of vampirism and that's yeah. kind of what's missing here you know and she said she took out the supernatural element but if that's the case then you're having a story in which it's literally just two people in a disease um an exciting story that does not make but the blood (laughs) system you know as as hot as it was it was uh the other thing is something that happened in fifth grade um I had become blood brothers with this kid, Matthew Schwartz, uh, who, you know, a lot of my troublesome stories during that time period in my life involved <laughs> Matthew Schwartz. Um, we but, we uh, hear that name a lot. Matt, <laughs> me and Matt decided that we were going to become blood brothers in uh, computer class. Now, this is, you know, fifth grade, 1980-whatever. So computer class for us was doing logo programming. Um, for those of you who don't know what logo programming was, you literally sat there in class putting code in for, you know, 45 minutes or so just to have this little turtle come on screen and, like, draw a picture of something if you did it right. And by picture, I mean it was like a dot matrix-looking picture. It didn't look like anything yeah. other than just, like, you know, if you took a fucking Etch-A-Sketch and drew something with it. Uh so, yeah, we decide to do this, right? So so Matt pricks himself. I prick myself. We do this whole thing. Matt then, you know, because he's bleeding from his hand or whatever, he spits a big fucking loogie into the palm of his hand to kind of like, I guess, stem the blood or whatever. Well, for whatever reason, man, it fucking totally sickened me and by sickened me it meant I barely made it to the restroom in time to then start vomiting my brains out into the fucking of the boys bathroom like I'm not just talking like I, I couldn't even make it into the stall to throw up in the toilet I got it all over the urinals all over the floor all over the sink I mean at least I did it in the bathroom but it was fucking everywhere and oh, yeah, so anytime I see any kind of blood swapping ritual of this nature in any film, yeah, as hot as it was, it just always harkens me back to that moment and uh, makes my tummy hurt a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry, ghoul. <laughs> but it's after that first kiss uh, with the Blood Sisters pact that we have Lara being more rebellious, uh, coming down for breakfast late eating with her left hand, even though she's being told not to, um, and enjoying the magician show. But it's that second, the second half of the pack where Carmilla says, okay, well, now, you know, it's your turn. You know, you have to, to prick yourself, but then we have to do the other half. Of it. And that's when their, their relationship becomes much more amorous, but it's found by Miss Fontaine. Amorous. And, of course, Laura has to go uh, repent in church as well. But this is where the whole church aspect really comes into full circle because earlier in the film with Dr. Renquist, he has been saying that, you know, 
messing around in the devil's bed, and you could have invited this into your house. And Charlotte, your her friend is getting more sick, so maybe there's something to this stranger that has come into your house, and we need to look into this further. So that's when the good Lord has to step in, and we have to do something about the evil that has entered your house. So that's where you know Emily Harris, like I had said, turns to what would have happened back then in a puritanical sense is that you have to beat the devil out of your house. And in this sense, it's just whipping Carmilla into submission. Whipping that the, 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 You know, mm-hmm. and this is what Laura cannot stand for, even though she's sick and have dead, she's going to get the hell out of there with Carmilla. I mean, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, whether it's love, whether it's a kinship, it's something where she just wants to be with Carmilla and doesn't think that there is any evil whatsoever. It's all just kind of make-believe. Um, you know, we need to get out of here. But while we have to wrangle up the horses, because Redquist and Miss Fontaine and Paul... There's not an evil love. The evil did come up. <laughs> but this is, this is what I'm... Because we have Mr. Bauer, uh, Laura's father, riding back into into the estate, finding the brooch and the fur that was from Laura's mother, like, laying in the bush. So he knows something's going on, but he doesn't know exactly what. I mean, he's coming home. Oh, has no news because nobody's telling him anything. They're keeping it as close of a secret as they possibly can because they don't want to upset Mr. Bauer because you know all the rumors that could happen if they find out that the devil is in his house. So let's just That's, let's just do this by ourselves and not make any mention of it, even though how fast is we're going to get to the guy in the city? Right? So it's not exactly email back in the 1870s. They can't go on Twitter. They do just do something out. Again, though, I think think you're reading into a lot of the subtext as far as because none of this even gets said or explained. We just know that they feel like they need to act fast because they're not going to get the message to them in time. Like, I'm sorry, like it was all said. It was all fine and dandy because originally, remember, he she said something to, uh, to, to, to uh, you know what, and I'm just going to call him Admiral Norrington because that's how I know this guy. He's Admiral Norrington from the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, parlay, parlay, parlay. Dr. Rehnquist. <laughs> yes, Dr. Rehnquist. Um, you know, it goes from her mentioning this to Dr. Rehnquist to him uttering whatever foreign language words it is that he says, to them fucking. Okay, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it goes from like, hey, we need to get in touch with you know the person that actually fucking owns the property and whose this young lady is under his ward and protection mm-hmm. to, well, we're going to tell mm-hmm. the help that there's no way we can do anything here, and uh, that's the problem. I almost wonder if the countess herself is actually the evil entity in this film. Oh, the governess. Yeah, it's possible. I just, I, like when she's talking to Paul and Margaret, and she's like, yeah, we need your confidence, too, that you're not going to say anything. And I'm like, well, Okay. <laughs> Meaning to even the boss. Yeah. You know what I mean? The man that oh, you yeah. answer yep. to. Yep. If something is to happen oh, to Carmilla, it's his responsibility because she's living at his house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and but also don't but back up with the ghoul saying, all right, don't forget they often kept saying there's a lot of evil in this house. They kept saying that oh, yeah. throughout the entire movie. Well, because they had to keep justifying it. And like I said, that's the way that Emily Harris does kind of nail this era, is that's how they explained everything away, is that it just must be evil. Like, you know, masturbation and being left-handed and all this stuff. Evil, 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 devil, devil, devil. Like, that was their explanation for everything. Yeah. 
But again, then I do, like I said, you know what, like this is something that I literally just like kind of thought of now, as far as the countess goes, she's the one that goes and has mm-hmm. sex with somebody completely out of wedlock. Yep. You know what I mean? Which was a real mm-hmm. big no, no back then, especially somebody of high moral religious character. Um, you know, so, and when we, there were certain scenes that now when I like kind of look at it in hindsight, that were kind of creepy with her when she was laying on the mm-hmm. bed with Laura, telling her how yep. she'll always be safe yep. with her. And you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. that, you know, I'll, ne- I'll never leave your side. And yet the second the dad came in, you know, it was, she got up real quick. You know what I mean? As in like, yeah, I'm overstepping my boundaries in every way, telling her about the spirit place on the top of the hill. But meanwhile, you're not allowed to go there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm wondering if maybe she was the villain and maybe, you know, Carmilla actually is, is the innocent in this. It's possible. But even back then, Miss Fontaine fucking Dr. Rehnquist, like that meant nothing to, to the, even the pious of thou people because they'll just go to church and they'll beg for God to be all fine. They'll say a couple of Hail Marys. They'll do a couple of the crosses and it's good. Well, Miss Fontaine could very easily explain that away because that's how they do it back then. Just because, I mean, look at the witch trials. You know, they thought they were being holier than well and doing and really they were just killing innocent people because they thought that they were evil. So that's why when we reach this finale on the, the spirit mounds and we have Carmel and Mara this is kind of a lot of emotion because very quickly Carmela is pulled away from dragged off screen and has a stake driven through her heart. It's all off screen. We hear the noises, we hear Mara screaming and then we Okay, Darth Vader's moving again. But uh, we get uh, the after effect of that stake being driven through her heart. But it's like, I, I felt like we, kind of get, we got robbed, I felt, in a way, of not being able to see what was happening until the after effect. Like, you know, we build up this whole thing. It's all off screen, and then we're seeing her body, which hasn't turned to ash. It hasn't turned, in, it's still very much there. So, But we know that she's not a vampire. It's already been set up that she's not a vampire, but because... The, the puritanical nature of these people says that she, she's dead, but I don't know. I There's even a tear in the poor child's eye. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. I felt like it just kind of got robbed because you had been with this character throughout the entire movie and they get killed off screen. I don't know. I just think it kind of took away from what well, we had yeah, seen of, not, of Carmilla. And it's not like we haven't yeah. gotten gore. You know what I mean? We got a sequence yeah. in which, you know, like the most surprising was when Laura stuck her fucking hands into the guy's belly and started, like, tearing it apart. You know, and, like, here, there's mm-hmm. another, like, like, were there things just removed or cut out of the film? Like, what was the purpose of the magician guy? You know, other than his dog <laughs> getting upset when... Magic. You know, when... Uh, when when she came, yeah, but when she came out, you know what I mean? Like, the dog got upset, that explains that, but then, like, the guy disappears completely. Like, we know that, you know, obviously, Laura's having some kind of sexual, she must be having some kind of sexual feelings towards him because he's popping up in her sex dreams, and she's the, he's the one she penetrates during that one dream. Um but like it's like that character vanishes completely, and you know. But we did. We got these gory sequences, and then yeah, when it comes time for the kill, yeah, it's great that we get the cutaway shot to show us the end result. But man, yeah, we should have gotten that. The whole buildup of this film was to get to that moment so that we could see it, and that not happening was a huge disappointment. Yeah. 
It was. It was a huge disappointment. And it takes away from that character arc of that character who is not afraid of death, who is defiant. So you're going to say that she was just dragged away and didn't fight at all and just got the stake through her heart? Like, it just, it seems like, why Why are you building this character up to be kind of this mythic being to Lara that she's just summarily killed off screen? Because ultimately she's, ultimately she's human and she's a child and there's only so much she could actually do against grown adults with better strength. You know, she's a thin little thing. She can fight all she wants, but... When you have you know two grown men and you know a, a grown woman about to stick a spike through her chest, I don't think there's anything she could do about it. No, no, and but I wanted, they should have at least showed it to us. Yeah, they should have. Robbed the, robbed the money shot. <laughs> and again, yeah, you know, I didn't get to say it's like beginning. watching porn on freaking you know on like Cinemax or whatever, where they're they're going, they're going, they're going. The guy pulls out, he's about to spew, and it's like, no, nah, we're gonna cut away to like the next scene now. Now they're cuddling. Well, that's why, I mean, that, those are the drawbacks that you experience in the realm of uh, Cinemax adult features. Well, even better, affected in that realm. Dean, you, you might actually remember back in the day when there was the Spice Channel, they didn't show penetration in the porn, and they didn't show money shots in the porn, even though it was Spice. That didn't start to happen until, like, the, like I want to say, like, 92, 93, because I remember my dad had the hot box at that time. And, like, you know, at least then <laughs> I was able to, like, just watch it whenever I wanted to. But it wasn't, like, I remember when it happened, and I was watching it originally, and I'm like, why aren't they showing any of it, even though this is the pay-for shit? But, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know if that was a, uh, I don't know if that was a choice on Optimum. Well, I guess it wasn't Optimum. What was it called back then? I forget. Um, Cablevision. Cablevision. Uh, I don't know if that was a choice on Cablevision's part or what, but yeah, the Spice Channel didn't actually show us anything, nor did the Playboy. The Playboy Channel was even worse. It was all like bad reality shows before reality. I mean, look, the the Playboy Channel was like very, like they had those programs, but as far as it's like like adult film content was like not much different than what you would see on some fucking late night cinemax. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Playboy Channel was, was pretty bad considering, you know, it's the Playboy channel, but yeah, but the Spice was supposed to be where it was at, but like I said, they, they didn't show shit originally. I remember the day they started, and then originally what it was is they started showing actual penetration, and then, uh, you know, I guess it was like maybe another year later that they, they finally started showing money shots. Weird. Like, you know, like, I wonder how, like, that whole, like, how do, how do the lawyers present this kind of stuff when they're all sitting in a boardroom together, you know what I mean? Like, can you, like... I think for it, some it of must... those channels, it's not that big of a, a legal meeting that you might think it was, especially going back to those days, man. Uh, there's probably... No, but there might have been, dude, you, there might have been very clear guidelines from, like, Cablevision of them saying, hey, this is what we'll show, and this is what we won't. Uh, it might not have been up to the Spice Channel to say, oh, are we going to show penetration and money shots, or are we going to indicate penetration and money shots? I mean, who knows? Oh, We're no, talking no, no. about I, some fucking sure shitty-ass fucking pay-per-view on Cablevision 30 fucking years ago. I'm sure that came down from Cablevision, but even that's my point. You know what I mean? That means the Cablevision lawyers all had to sit around at one point and figure out like what you know, what and how they can get away with doing what they want to do and what they're going to allow on their channel. How does that impact them as, you know, a possible family-friendly cable company. Yeah, all of the little legalese <laughs> things that are going to happen. But, you know, in the end, I can almost picture it like that fucking lawyer in that, that, mm-hmm. that 
video that like circulated a week or so ago. You know, I'm not a cat. Um, like, these guys must be like sitting around, and it's like, all right, guys, uh, let's, let's take care of the elephant in the room here. Uh, penetration on the uh, Spike Channel. Uh, how, how are we going to handle this, guys? But yeah, but again, I think this movie should have used a lot more of that sexual filler in there instead of all the shots of the bugs and the decay and this and that, you know, where we're just putting creepy bugs in there to sit there and make you feel creepy because we don't really have anything to creep you out. Instead, they should have just gone away from that and shown more of, you know, moments between them and just the bugs were the sexual. Taking t- <laughs> I'm just saying and taking Laura down the path of awakening, you know, of her own sexual self. What the bugs are doing The bugs are spreading the yep. seed Of the flowers So what we were getting mm. every time spreading we saw seed. that was, It was a representation Of sex Yeah, yeah that's that's what I saying. We should have had less of that and More actual sex <laughs> You know what so. You can't have it in the house Like Carmela you just can't Because it's not that type of movie I mean even the end where, uh, Monkey, you think it's like a body swap film all of a sudden, and there's swap bodies, and that's, you know, no. I took it as sort of skipping stones over the water and just a reflection of Carmilla showing up because she missed her. Well, you guys notice the one major difference? Her arm was missing. They cut off her left hand. Her left arm was missing. She was throwing the stones with her right arm. I know that she was throwing with her right arm. I, I didn't even look at the hand. Oh, wow. Good call. If, you, if you look at her I left arm, it. they cut her fucking left yeah. arm off at the elbow. No, I'm not watching this movie again. What? No, I mean, but that, that's pretty cool. Yep. I mean, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it's there. I just, I noticed the right hand, her throwing the rock in the water, and I was like, oh, well, now she's back to using the right hand because Carmilla's gone, and she's not that defiant anymore. But, wow, interesting. Um uh, maybe I'll have to find that pretty soon. But anyway, uh, for next week, uh, Dean, it is your pick. So what do you have for us? It is my pick. And I have been fussing and fretting over my choice uh, for two weeks now. And uh, I think I've made my pick. Well, I've obviously made my pick because, uh, you know, I have no more time to fuss. fuss. Uh, For the very first time, Mm -hmm. Uh, going to France terror, for the very first time. Talking Terror is going to touch down in France. No, I'm only kidding. There, you will not be watching a French <laughs> film uh, this week. Um, no, I had several different. Thanks. No, 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 no. We're not going to Japan. We're going to be in America, and with an American film. And I had several different films on my list. Uh, one of my possible picks was dedicated to the Mad Monkey, but maybe that will be my next pick. Uh, but since it has been on my list. And we had a, such a good discussion on this previous film recently. Um, and Ghoul, I know you had talked about seeing it, so I apologize for picking something that you have picked already. But we are going to take a look at a film uh, from a few years ago uh, from the same director and actor uh, that we recently covered on this very program. And that performer and writer director is Jeremy Gardner. And my pick for next week is The Battery. Excellent choice. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I know cool. that's a goal and I very much enjoy it. So The Battery is a great choice. Anytime I get to watch a Jeremy Gardner movie, it's a good fucking time. So excellent one. Thank you for that one. 
Can't wait uh, to talk about the Batman. Is that still available on Prime? Scene? Uh, it is. I'm looking right now. The battery shutter is available on Tubi, and it is also for free with ads. And it is also on. Uh, no, it's on. It's on Prime for rental and purchase, uh, but it's on Tubi uh, to watch for free. Have at it, y'all. All right. So thank you so much for that pick, and we'll see you back here next week for the battery day. We will be here. All right. Go ahead and sign yourself off, Monkey, for the show. All sign right. I'm your man, Monkey. <laughs> Thanks for listening to tonight's episode, and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and close us out, cool with a plug as we say good night to our audience. Well, if you want romantic moments like Laura, go and, to the uh, Buffalo Bill House. Yes, go, go to the Buffalo Bill House. Don't watch movie from tonight. Now, um, now, if you want some romantic moments, whether it be St. Patty's Day, Easter, your birthday, whatever it is, there's always a holiday and a reason to buy your loved one something. And what better place to go to buy that loved one something than Bonfire Bee Designs? Now, where can you find Bonfire Bee Designs? Well, good question. Go to Etsy, put in the search bar, all in one word, Bonfire Bead Designs. And you are going to find a store that has all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, gemstones, bracelets, necklaces, pendants, you name it, it's on there. You're going to find something that the person in your life is going to absolutely love. I guarantee it. Um, You know, there are no cocks to be shown uh, at this time because they're all bad. But again, head on over there. Bye because it makes the ghoul girl happy and she puts her heart and soul into every single piece that she makes and uh, yeah aside from that stay scared alright as always yeah. I'm your old pal the king of heart and saying thank you for listening to this episode of the show and next week we will be back into the world of Jeremy Gardner with the battery keep America strong watch horror movies hail Satan hail Odorous hail yourselves have a great weekend and we'll see you next time you know, one thing to 